Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Well, happy Halloween, and happy All Hallows' Eve. You know... According to much of the literature written by those who are part of the human potential movement, those we listen to, those wise spiritual masters out there, fear is a big fat no-no. We're simply not supposed to have fear because, as we've learned, fear is the opposite of love. They tell us that we can't have fear and love in the same place at the same time. And when we interpret those things literally, we, we might get a little bit confused about what we're supposed to be doing with fear. In fact, we might be trying to repress it in the name of trying to overcome. But I say that we speak doublespeak when we say that we fear is opposite of love and simultaneously say that the divine is one with all. If all is divine, then there must be a divine energy behind fear as well. And on this All Hallows' Eve, this scary Halloween, we're going to discover how it is that fear can also participate in the divine. So if you're trying desperately to avoid fear at all costs, to repress it, to deny it, to outwit it, to outsmart it, to conquer it, to overcome it, to become fearless, this show is for you. You want to stay tuned for all of it because we're going to be talking about some pretty important stuff about fear today. So what we hear is that, and and actually there's a quote in the Bible as well as in the uh, Course in Miracles that says that uh, fear casts, uh, love casts out fear. Well, you know, if you look at that in our very dualistic way of looking at things, what it means is that, you know, if I'm a loving person, then I won't be afraid. But actually, that's not what it means. So let's talk about what's possible there. You see, I don't believe that love is something we do for other people or they do for us. I believe love is something we receive from the divine that is who we are, our truest self and it passes through our bones and our flesh and our blood and it it absorbs us and then it radiates outward to others as well because all is one we receive and we receive and we receive and really that's all that we ever do here on planet earth I know that we think we're about the business of conquering things and overcoming things and challenging things and, you know, casting our, our, um, little frames upon the world and the mirror, the world that will ever, forever be changed because we were here. Yes, the world, the whole universe will be forever changed because we are, we were here. Yes, that's true. And simultaneously and paradoxically, no, it's not true. Because what we offer is a big nothing. What we receive is everything. Let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Now, he was Jesus, and he went around healing people all the time, according to what we read in the Bible. Um, That's the story we understand to be true about Jesus. And if it's really true, then how could he possibly say that? And how could it possibly have been written that... He could do nothing of his own initiative while a few pages later it was saying that he was healing the sick and raising the dead. How could that be? Well, he wasn't doing any of that stuff from his own initiative. So what is his own initiative? His own initiative is that initiative that comes from the dualistic trance state. 
the one that says, I am separate from the divine and I of my own uh, being, my own sense of who I am separate from the divine can accomplish things. But actually what Jesus was saying when he said, I can do nothing of my own initiative is twofold. He was saying that only the initiative of the divine within him really ever accomplished anything and that everything he accomplished from the dualistic mindset was a big fat nothing. So that is true for all of us. And, and so when we talk about perfect love casting out fear, we're not saying that from the dualistic mindset we should cast out fear and we should be loving and kind and sweet and all that to other people because Jesus' definition of love, I think, is probably quite different from ours. I don't think that Jesus was any less loving when he called the Pharisees vipers. I don't think he was any less loving when he turned the tables over in the temple. You see, we, we are in our dualistic mindset. We say, well, if a person can be angry, then they're, they're doing something wrong. Because love means that you're always kind and sweet and long, uh, long suffering and all of that. And we are afraid. There's the F word. We, we, well, that's the A word, but fear. We feel fear when we, uh, when we say that we have to get, uh, we have to be loving. Or else, or else what? Or else I'm not a good person. And what does that mean? Well, then I'm not doing what I came here to do. And I'm really afraid that if I'm not doing what I came here to do, that I'm failing. There's another big F word. Failure. So, when we, when we think from the dualistic mindset, we don't understand love at all. Love tells the truth. Love is who it is. Because it knows that everything that is loving is reception. If God is love and God is everything, then everything already is love. We don't have to make it happen. Everything that happens to us, everything that somebody says, everything that somebody does, all those ways that we think that they're going to hurt us and, you know, do harm to us, all of those things actually fall down to love when they're held in the hand of the divine. Because the divine is love, and everything that is going on actually falls down into love. It's kind of like it might go up as a rocket, but it comes down as a parachute. It it might go up as anger and hatred and fear and violence, but it comes down as love. So, ultimately, when somebody does something that we perceive to be harmful, they're actually giving us a gift. It's a kind of backhanded gift from the perspective of the duality trans state. But from the perspective of the divine, it's just another gift. Another gift of wisdom, of strength, of endurance, of patience, of, of, of power, of, of all of those things that we find in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Love is patient, love is kind, all of that. And that it pours through us when we're operating from the divine the divine self, when we're operating from the duality trance state, then nothing is happening because nothing can happen that isn't divine. So that principle is the principle upon which we can base what we understand about perfect love that casts out fear. Because if everything actually is love, then what's there to fear? 
see somebody might harm me. Oh, well, they might harm me. Okay, well, what's that going to mean? Well, ultimately, it's going to come down to a loving, divine act that's going to give me something beautiful. And I'm going to always have that, and nobody will ever be able to take it from me. So so when we when we live from the duality trance state, we say, well, I have to keep my guard up because somebody might hurt me. Um, well, I don't, I'm not saying it's not smart to make smart choices about li- the living experience down here because that also is a divine gift we give ourselves. And it does help us evolve into a higher place of, of understanding, a, trans- a transcendent place. And by higher, I don't mean less sinful or less bad or more than or any of those terms that we use for our, our, our linear vision of what we ought to be down here. Um, but it, it, it really higher is all about transcendence. It's about the higher view, the view of who we are, the, the ability to see who we really truly are. So what we're saying here is that we've got some faulty concepts of what love is. We've got some faulty concepts about, of who we are. We've got faulty concepts about what's really going on here on planet Earth. And because we have all that, we have fear. But perfect love is perfect vision. Perfect love is perfect vision. When we see clearly what's really going on here, who we really are and what love really is, fear is just no longer necessary. It's not even in the picture. That's how perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't do it when we tell ourselves to stop being afraid. It doesn't do us when we do it when it says to us, when we say to ourselves, oh my gosh, I won't attract what I want if I feel fear. You feel fear. Okay. What's under the fear? That's where we begin to go into transcendence. Is we begin to explore the message in the fear. What's going on? Well, if you're standing in the middle of the street, my old analogy, and there's a Mack truck coming, well, maybe the fear is telling you to get the heck out of the road. Okay, get out of the road. But if it's an irrational fear that's connected dots that don't need to be connected, so perhaps I'm afraid that somebody else will, uh, you know, I hear this all the time in in my practice where uh, somebody is sort of held hostage by somebody else's uh, idea that they might kill themselves, okay? So let's give it a name. Let's say Diane wants, talks about killing herself. And Diane's husband is terrified that if he makes the wrong step or does the wrong thing or says the wrong word or moves the wrong way, that Diane's going to go kill herself. Well, he's connecting dots between his behavior and her choices. And there is no connection between those. Okay? Um, from, from, from the, you know, the paradox of oneness is this, that the more we recognize who we actually are as entities, uh, the more we recognize that we have absolutely no power over other people, the more we understand oneness. That's a paradox. And we're going to talk some more about that paradox in just a second. But for right now, I want to finish the story. The real deal is that he is being held hostage because he believes, by his own beliefs, he's being held hostage. She's not doing this to him. He's got his beliefs. His beliefs are saying to him, I need to always be careful there, so that she won't commit suicide. She won't kill herself. That's a big, scary thing. Oh, my gosh, I'm responsible for somebody else's choices. And so we live our lives that way. I walk, that he might walk around on eggshells or he might um, begin to uh, um, 
be really, really, really careful about everything he does and says. And, and all he's saying is, you're so fragile, you can't make your own choices. Therefore, I have to be careful to make them for you. And in that way, then, what goes on is that we, we miss out on the fact that the only thing we're really responsible for is our own behavior. And when we operate out of what is true inside of us, then we, then somebody else's choices belong entirely to them. And because their choices belong entirely to them, they may also begin to operate on another plane, the plane of truth, the plane of love, the plane where, where they get to, to really live life to the fullest because they've chosen it. Okay? And so when we, when we say, I must make your choices for you by behaving certain ways, relying to ourselves. The idea that we perpetuate in the human potential movement, unfortunately, sometimes is all about, okay, well, if we are one, then I'm supposed to be making their choices for them. I'm supposed to feel guilty and responsible for that other person. That's because we're thinking still from the duality trance state. When we think from the, from, from the divine self, we realize that I can do nothing of my own initiative. All is done, all that is done is done by the divine. And the divine is operative in my life as well as that other person's life. And so when I'm thinking I have to do something to make sure that person's okay, I'm, I've lost sight of the fact that the divine already has this already taken care of. And I don't have to understand or know what that is. I can let it go and trust that, um, that that person is going to do what is truest or best or blindest or, you know, worst for that person. And that, that what seems to be worse to us is actually another sort of karmic event where the soul of that person is offering them another piece of wisdom that they can take with them into another life. And even if they actually do commit suicide, still that will be something they can take with them into the next life to help them evolve into the next life we what we uh understand from the duality trans state is that life ends and oh my gosh it's over and uh, that was terrible and uh, it's awful and we can't uh process beyond that because we 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 can't imagine what it might be like if uh, and we can't imagine that we're not responsible when somebody else kills themselves um but the truth is that if that's what they choose to do, then that's a part of what they're doing to give themselves the lessons they need to learn for the next life. And we can let go of that. And the truth is, the more that we let go of that, the more likely they are going to take hold of it. If I'm holding on to your choices, you're not likely to hold on to your own choices because you figure I've got it. That is where we're one because we do kind of read each other that way. And if you figure I've got your choices, well, then why should you worry about them? I've got them. And you're resp- I'm, I'm responsible for, for your behavior. Whereas, if I give you back responsibility for your behavior, then you might decide to grow up and take responsibility in a way that makes life more meaningful for you. Okay, so this we scare ourselves to death on this Halloween and every other day of the year by, by telling ourselves myths that aren't true about what we're responsible for, about what life really means, about who we really are, about what we have a capacity to do and not do. And that that that's how we live in fear. So the way that perfect love casts out fear, again, I want to say this, and I'm going to talk about this some more after the break, uh, is that 
we we begin to wake up to who we are, to what's really going on here on planet Earth, and to and to keep maintain that vision, so that now we we know that we're divine beings. We know that we're all one. We know that the divine is always active in everything, accomplishing its will all the time, regardless of what it looks like here on the planet. Uh, and we know that uh, we're not going to die. People don't really die. And we know that we're coming back again. If, we, if we're not finished, we're coming back again. And we're going to do something else that's going to help us evolve to an even greater step. Because... My word will not return to me empty. That's what Isaiah 55.11 says, taken from the Bible. What that essentially means is the same thing said in the Bhagavad Gita. Each life is, is, uh, will accomplish what it came here to accomplish. Each lifetime will accomplish what it came here to accomplish. What we think it was supposed to accomplish may not be what it actually came here to accomplish. heard a short little fairy tale once about a man who who was an alcoholic and died as an alcoholic and people said, Oh my gosh, he's, he's just must be a new soul and he's, you know, he's got such a long way to go. And there was an intervention made where somebody said, No, actually what's going on is this was his last life. He's through with his karmic cycle. He just had one more lesson to learn and that was humility and he learned it from by being an alcoholic and now he's done. So our thoughts, our judgments about what's really going on from the dualistic mindset Probably completely off, off the charts. So we're going to be talking about what we should do about fear some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 
You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back on this happy Halloween talking about fear, the F word. Because fear has become the F word to many of us who are terrified that if we feel fear, we might not attract that dream we've been trying to attract through the, our current understanding of the law of attraction. And we might not uh, be the good people we're supposed to be. We might not fulfill our missions here on planet Earth. Fear should never be felt. Oh, my gosh, we've got to get rid of fear. And so what happens is we begin to fear our fear. And <laughs> we get in a vicious cycle that we can't get out of through repression. Um, and so what we've talked about is we've the reason we're afraid is because we don't understand the principle of love. When we came to that passage in, the, in both the Bible and the Course in Miracles that says perfect fear, perfect love, excuse me, casts out fear. What we think it means is that we are supposed to not be afraid. We're supposed to be so loving and so kind to other people that we won't be afraid. Well, I don't know how a human being living in the duality trance state does that because from the duality trance state, we believe that life is hard, that people will hurt us, that we can run out of money and time and and we can uh, we can die and we can hurt each hurt each other and we can say bad things and we can get angry and do bad things and you know that's what we believe from the duality trance state from the divine self where there is no duality we believe that all is oneness and that we are recipients and that's all we are we are recipients of divine grace at all times in all situations and that. From that receptive mode, we sit and receive, we walk and we receive, we talk and we receive, we act and we receive, all is reception. That's why Jesus could so simply say, I can do nothing of my own uh, initiative, because he was a receiver. And then as he received, it permeated his body, his mind, his, his everything, and it radiated out from there. And his actions then became the actions of the divine self, not the actions of Jesus in a dualistic mindset. Okay, so when we live from there, we live from a whole different place. We live from a transcendent place. And uh, there is no need for fear anymore. But that happens as a natural process of living from there. It doesn't happen when we try to get ourselves to stop being afraid or affirm to ourselves constantly, I feel no fear, I feel no fear. Or we can't use the word no in there because, you know, the universe might hear the word no and think to take that as literal and if we've got all these mythologies about what the universe can hear the universe hears everything we don't have to work with our language to make sure the universe is hearing it right i mean what do we think the universe is deaf um so that that whole idea that we should carefully frame our words to have no negativity in them whatsoever if we do that then we will attract positive results is comes down to a kind of obsessive compulsive need to kind of scratch words out that might be the universe might hear wrong because the universe, you know, is kind of ignorant. It doesn't know it is what we know. I'm sorry, I'm being facetious, facetious here. But the point is that we're, we've got a lot of mythologies and they, they come down sometimes to a little bit like rubbing the, you know, rabbit's foot. If I can say it this way, then the universe will finally give me what I want. If I don't say it this way, uh oh, I forgot to rub my rabbit's foot and things will really go bad. That's not how it works. The universe doesn't work on those terms. Those are all dualistic terms. And they're bargains. They're contracts we're signing to say, okay, well, I'm going to keep bargaining with the universe. And then finally, it'll because I've bargained just right, it's going to give me what I want. 
The universe is not limited to our puny little bargains. The universe doesn't need our little bargains. The universe knows exactly what it's doing. Um, and the universe, whatever you want to call that, divine, God, you know, Buddha, whatever you want to call it, it, there is an energy of the divine, a unified field from which we all operate. And it is the only truth. And everything else that happens is actually nothing. It amounts to just a lot of nothing. So the only true thing that's really happening down here is divine energy. Okay, and When we get with that, things change inside of us. So that's kind of an overview, again, of what we said in the last break. But I want to read you a couple of little ideas from other books besides the Bible about what it says about fear. From the Upanishads, who sees all beings in his own self and his own self in all beings loses all fear. Now, that's exactly what we just got through saying. If I know who I am and I know who you are, there's no reason to be afraid. Okay, If I'm divine self and you're divine self and everything that you can do to me is divine self in operation, then what's to, what's to fear? Um, if, if, if I think you have the capacity, if I'm the dualistic mindset, if I have the capacity to think you can do murder and harm and mayhem to me, then I should be afraid of you. But from, from the perspective of if I, knowing who I am as a divine being and knowing who you are as that same divine being, all is oneness and all is grace. And everything that happen, everything that you can do to me is love. Because divine self is love and that's all there is. So, now, that does not require that we twist our minds around that concept and force ourselves to believe it, because that's still coming from the duality mindset. Um, it, what, it, what it requires is an evolution in consciousness. And the, that evolution takes place as a result of really being with that deeper essence of who we are. You know, I had somebody come in my office not long ago, not a client, but a friend, come in my office a little while ago and said, I just want to sit here and be in your energy for a while. Well, that's great. I want to be in his energy, too. He's a really cool guy. Um, but that's kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to being with the, the deepest inner essence of who we are. We, we sit in the energy of the divine self. That's what I think meditation really is all about. We're sitting in the energy of the divine self that we are. And we can feel it rumbling slowly, peacefully, quietly, through us, um, and and it, as it's rumbling through us, things are changing in our minds. We understand life differently. We see things differently, and seeing is everything. What we see is everything. When we have the correct vision of who we are and and what we're doing here, there is nothing but love and peace. Okay, and so there is not nothing that can harm us because. Everything falls down to love. Everything falls down to grace. Everything falls down to peace. Everything falls down to my, my own evolution into further and further awareness of who I am. Uh, so that's what uh, is meant by the Upanishads when it says, Who sees all beings in his own self, and his own self in all beings loses all fear. Um, it, Plato said, We can easily forgive a child who's afraid of the dark. The real tragedy is when a man are afraid of the light. Well, yeah, that's the duality trance state. In the duality trance state, we are afraid of light because light is truth. Light is the ultimate understanding of who we are. And we've been taught that we should be afraid of that. So here's the deal. 
If we are living in a duality trance state that must support itself, must constantly prove itself, then what we do with that is we constantly are working to show ourselves everywhere we go that, yes, indeed, the duality trance state is the only truth there is. And we show it to ourselves with our behavior, with our beliefs, with our uh, with our, our words. We show it to ourselves by the events in our life. See, that event happened because, you know, there's duality and some people are evil and some people are good and, and you know, bad things can happen to you and, you know, all that stuff. So we put our minds in that mindset and we try to prove it to ourselves. And the more we try to prove it to ourselves, the more we are demonstrating our fear of the light. So our fear of the light is that we might be powerful, powerful beings. We might actually even be divine. But you can't say that too loud around a lot of people because if you do, they're going to think you're nuts. They're going to think you got a Messiah complex. But I'm not saying I'm divine and you're not. I'm saying we're all divine. Every one of them, us, even the people who think I'm nuts for saying I'm divine, <laughs> they're divine too. And And so it isn't a matter of who has evolved into enlightenment and, and become better and more transcendent than all the rest of us? We're all, we're all light. We're all transcendent. We just don't know it. That's the deal. And knowing it is everything. And once we know it, there's nothing to fear. So we know it by sitting with that essence. And when I say sitting, I don't just mean literally sitting. I mean slowing down, being present with that essence of who we actually are. And that requires the ability to kind of ask it to come forth. You know, one of the things that I do when I meditate is I ask the divine self to meditate so that uh, I'm not trying to make meditation happen, but meditation is something I'm receiving as I sit or lay or stand or walk. Okay, so again, we are receiving constantly, and that's all we're doing. And nothing else is ever happening. Here's another one. We fear things in proportion to our ignorance of them. That's by Levy. Okay? Uh, he, he lived in 59 BCE. Long, long, long time ago. Smart guy. Uh, and what he's basically saying is, if I'm ignorant about who I really am or about what's really happening to me, then I'm going to be afraid of it. I remember an incident from my own life I'll share with you. I, I, I may have shared this another time, but uh, bear with me. Uh, I worked for a person who was doing some unethical things, and I was having to confront him with those unethical things because I was in a position where it required that I be the one to say something about it because if I didn't, what was going to happen was that when... It finally got found out I was going to get blamed for it. Not only that, but I had staff coming to me and asking that I that I go ahead and be the person who stand up because I was their boss and they needed me to go to my boss and be the one to stand up. Well, I really didn't want to do that because I knew that, you know, you stand up to the devil and the devil's coming after you. So that was from my dualistic mindset and I ended up looking for a job and looking for a job and looking for a job and looking for a job for about two years and could not find a job anywhere. I looked all over the nation for a job, was willing to move, was willing to go everywhere, couldn't even get a nibble. And uh, But this guy uh, kept, you know, kept doing the things and I kept having to confront him. And every time I did, I was terrified that he was just going to say, get out of here, just you're fired. 
And of course, I was a single parent at the time, and I was worried that if I got fired, I wouldn't be able to take care of my kids, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I, uh, my, so my fear was huge at the time. And what happened was, ultimately, I grew to the place where I could confront him. And by confronting him, I don't mean being ugly. I'm just telling the truth. Um, I, uh, I got to the place where I could confront him without being afraid. I walked through my fear to the place where it just, okay, if you're going to fire me, you're going to fire me. And there's nothing I can do about it except keep telling the truth. And, of course, I told the truth in a professional way. And I was a professional throughout. And I got the help I needed to get from uh, you know, whoever I needed to get it from, I, I, I played it smart, and I'm real glad I did because I learned a lot from my own about my own capacity to do that. So I could look back at that today, and 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 what happened ultimately is that I did actually get fired from that job because uh, somebody was going to come in and investigate the place that I was working, and and uh, they they didn't want me there for that investigation because if I was there, I was going to tell the truth, and they didn't want me to do that. So um, I was fired, but I had already gotten another job one day before I got fired. So uh, it was a very interesting paradigm, and I really began to undersee that I was in an evolutionary process there and that, that this man who, you know, everybody could look at him and say he's just so, you know, he's just a bad guy because he's just doing all these unethical things and he's mean to people and he's, you know, you know, fires people because he's trying to get away with stuff and all that stuff. I could think of it that way. Or I could say, thank you so much for being such a great teacher to me that I learned how to speak up for myself. I learned how to be smart. I learned how to, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it when you're able to speak from your own truth immediately without much thinking about it? You just do it. And, and I learned how to do all that. And that man changed my life. Because I walked all the way through that experience, feeling my fear, being afraid, staying in meditation, you know, doing the stuff I needed to do to stay connected to who I am and just keep telling the truth. And I evolved tremendously. I'm a whole different person than I was before I had that experience in my life. And so because of that, I, uh, I say that I can thank that man for the gift, the wonderful, loving, kind, beautiful gift that he gave me was, here's what you do in life. You say the truth. You just keep saying the truth. And because of that, here I am saying the truth on this radio show. So that's how that evolutionary stuff can happen. But you have to walk through it. And that's what we're doing down here on planet Earth. We're walking through duality to oneness. We're walking through duality to learn who we actually are. And all these experiences that we have, when we have fear that comes up, we're not supposed to say, go away, fear. Don't be there. We're supposed to feel the fear and be with it and also be with the essence of who we are. And as just keep walking, just keep walking, just keep walking and things will become clear. But if you, if you try to tell yourself, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid and you repress that fear and you go in, you know, I'm going to have to fight and win and all that stuff, then you're, you're losing because you're not going to get the gift the fear came to give you. Well, let me say it differently. You won't recognize the gift, maybe, that fear came to give you. It will give you the gift anyway, but you might not recognize it. So so I guess what I'm trying to say here today is fear, the F word, is the F word because it's, it's, you know, it's a negligible, almost nothing thing. 
when it comes to the reality of who we are. And yet, it has a very powerful force to change us. That's the paradox we live in, that the thing that we fear the most is our fear. And we say it keeps us down. Actually, we choose to obey it. But nonetheless, we say it keeps us down. And... uh and therefore, we can't get ahead because I've got this fear and I just can't get over my fear. So we're trying to make that fear go away. And so we're choosing to not just let the fear be what it is and keep walking, but rather to obey the fear and say, oh, the fear is keeping me from moving on. So if I had let my fear control me during that time, I would not have learned to speak up. But because I let the fear be there, but not, I didn't obey it, I grew. That's what I'm talking about. Is Halloween becomes uh, scarier. All Hallows Eve, holiness, the process of holiness becomes very scary. We're very much afraid of the light. We are ignorant to who and what is going on because we live in that duality trance state that, te- that informs us that we are supposed to be making fear go away in order to be good people, in order to make our dreams come true, in order to go to our goals, in order to have what we want. We have to make fear go away. Back in the early, uh, late 1990s, there were all these shirts that had fearless on the sleeves and on the back and on the bottom, on the hem and around the, tar- the neck and all that. People were writing fearless as if wearing the shirt could make it so. Well, none of us here on planet Earth are fearless, but... None of us here on planet Earth are, are, have anything to be afraid of either. <laughs> That's the paradox. That fear can be used to become, to begin to live in perfect love. And that's the process we're talking about here today. So we're going to come back in just a little bit more and talk about, uh, that F word, fear and failure, and talk about that choice we make to obey or disobey fear when it comes. So you want to stay tuned for more about that. We're going, to, we're going to talk about some real practical ways that you can begin to deal with fear and make it your friend. There's another F word. Stay tuned for more right after the break. The Seventh Wave Channel. On the Voice America Network. Are you looking for alternative sources of spiritual development? Listen every week for Exploring the Divine Within with host Patty Scrivens and her guest co hosts. You'll be inspired to connect with the divine within yourself. We are all love. And while we seek for it in different ways, the truth is that we are all looking for the same thing and doing the best that we can. When you understand that, you can embrace it. Feel a sense of calm and true joy. Tune into Exploring the Divine Within, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on 7th Wave. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community and the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And so we're talking today about fear, the F word. And uh, I said we were going to talk about some real practical ways to begin to deal with fear. Uh, the the Im- most impractical way to deal with fear is to try to repress it. So we're not going to be talking about how you can make fear go away. Fear doesn't go away when we try to make it go away. It just goes underground so we can't see it or feel it as much. And then it comes out later in some other way, which uh, could even amount to a panic attack. You know, I've seen people try really hard to be brave and strong, and then something happens and they just fall into a complete panic attack. I've also seen that people try to be brave and strong and they become super women or supermen trying to uh, leap tall buildings in a single bound and run faster than a speeding bullet. And really they're, they're filled with resentment and um, a kind of ennui that keeps them from really experiencing life. So, uh, so... We don't want to talk about repression, okay? Repression is when we just say, I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to feel it. I'm not going there. That's repression. And it, we just keep doing that till it sort of seems to go away. Uh, another thing we're not going to advise is that you try to use substances to make yourself feel better. Substances, going shopping, sex, um, uh, relationship jumping, um, money, uh, Trying to get into work, a whole lot of work, like a workaholic. Any of those things can, can keep us from recognizing our feelings. And fear is a feeling that has a message in it for us. When I was so afraid of talking to that guy, saying the truth, what I was afraid of was that, uh, that I might do it wrong, that I might not be the good person that I thought I was because, you know, people that are good are always nice and kind and speaking up where you might be called the B word. Uh, you're, you know, I was afraid that if I spoke up, I was going to get canned. I had several different fears going on there. But the truth was that what I was really being afraid of was the light. 
I was actually being afraid of coming to terms with who I really am. I was afraid of my own power. And I didn't know that then, but I do now. I was afraid of my own power. Because I, like you, am a powerful being. And when I stand in that power, I am able to do all the things that Jesus did. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. In other words, I'm not around anymore, so you can't count on me to do it, so you're going to have to do it. (laughs) That's what that meant. And uh, so I was afraid of that power, that power that allows me to to accomplish what I came here to accomplish. And in so being afraid of that power, uh, what I told myself in fear from the duality mindset was that I need to be careful, I need to watch out, I need to be, uh uh-oh, be careful, be careful. But... Uh, when I really began to get the message of my fear, the message was that I'm a powerful being. That's the message my fear came to give me. Now, how does fear give me that message? Well, as we walk with fear, in other words, we're not trying to repress it. We're not trying to make it go away. We're just, we feel it. It's over there. It's, it's there. Consider a, a little ball of fear as it's kind of just following you around everywhere. Okay. And it, you know, flat like a little bubble just keeps following you around. Also inside of you are several other things. There's anger. There's, uh, there's, um, the re- recognition that of your power, the, the need to speak up for what is true, the, the passion about doing what you love, the, the, you know, the passion about life or relationship or whatever it is you're passionate about. There's lots of other things going on inside of you simultaneous to that fear. But when we feel the fear and think we must obey it, we don't notice all those other things going on inside of us. We only notice the fear. So the first step in dealing with fear is to get acquainted with everything else that's going on inside of us at the same time. So my anger which is also considered to be a, a bad thing. Fear and anger are the two things that in the New Age, New Human Potential Movement, we just, just kind of cast aspersions on those two things and say they're bad, you shouldn't have those things. But my anger was the same kind of anger that Jesus felt in the temple when he turned over the temples. And you might say, well, you're comparing yourself to Jesus, how dare you? Well, I can because he compared himself to me. So I think we can do that. I think it's fair. So... Uh, and he compared himself to everyone else as well. When he called the Pharisees vipers, he wasn't saying uh, expletives about them. What he was basically doing was saying, look, this is toxic. He was trying to tell the people that what the Pharisees were teaching was toxic. Look at this, he, said, he was saying. And when he turned the tables over in the temple, he was saying, look at this. This is gambling in, the, in, in, in a sacred space. This is bargaining. If you take the metaphor of that, this is bargaining with sac- the sacred. So we bargain with the sacred when we when we kind of say, "Well, if I can keep doing my um, my affirmations and do that vision board really well, and and keep my thoughts really positive and stay positive all the time, and cast out any emotions that aren't positive, well, then I can finally have what I want." That's a bargain. It's a gamble, and we're doing it in the sacred space with the divine. That's why Jesus turned over the table. And that's why I wrote the book I wrote. That kind of anger and frustration pushed me to write the book I wrote, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working, and How It Can, within a three or four month period of time. Because I was angry. Because I was frustrated. Because people were being led to bargain in the temple. 
people were being led to believe that they should um, bargain with the universe for what they want instead of trusting that everything that you need and want is already here. Okay? So that's what Jesus was doing when he turned over the temple. And when I went to this guy and confronted him and said, hey, uh, this is unethical. We're, let's let's think of another way to do this. You know, what I was doing was saying, look at this. Look at this reality. Let's open our eyes and see it for what it is. And whether he ever saw it or not is is up to him. It's his choice. What I said was the truth. And that's what anger gave me. My fear was saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, because he's going to get you, you're going to get in trouble. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Okay? And my anger was saying, say it, say it, say it, it needs to be said. So now I've got an internal conflict. This is the kind of work we can do. We can begin to hear the different voices inside of us and make a decision about what we're going to do with that. Um, and and when we when we live into a conflict... We basically very often either have to choose one or the other or we have to honor both. Well, I honored my anger by speaking the truth. I honored my fear by not doing it like a bulldozer, <laughs> which really would have gotten me fired a lot sooner. Uh, and I, and so I honored both of those. And I grew because I did that. All right. Another, you know, what else? Can, is the fear doing? The fear is also saying, okay, I've got information for you about your life. Here's how you've lived. You've lived in fear of what other people might think. You've lived in fear that you might not be a good person. You've lived in, in fear that, that you're not going to measure up to your purpose. Many of us in the New Age, New, New Thought movement really want to live into a purpose that is divine. We want to give to the world. We want to be enlightened people. We want to experience what it's like to really be in that transcendent state. We want that. We want it badly. And that's why we're going after it. But we're, we're oftentimes being taught that what we should do to get that is we should bargain. And we should tell our feelings, any negative feeling, to go away. And in the process, we're splitting ourselves in two. And while we're trying to raise our consciousness, we're becoming more unconscious. And that's why I say we speak doublespeak when we say that we should not ever feel our fear, and yet all is divine. If, the, if all is divine, fear also has within it the divine. And we need to go looking for that. So the divine in my fear was, there's a path here for you. And uh, if you listen to... Uh, to every part of yourself, not just the fear, but every part of yourself, then you'll find your path. And I did. And I'm glad I did. Now, there's been other times when I didn't do that so well. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to tell you that I've got, I've reached this place where I'm, I'll do everything right. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that looking at that fear in the face and saying, okay, I'm not going to be afraid of you. You're my friend. You've come here as the divine to give me something, and I'm going to take from you what you came to give me. Everything has within it the divine. My fear, my anger, my frustration, my sorrow, my grief, all of it has the divine within it. And when we say, oh, there are certain things we shouldn't feel, we're saying, oh, there are certain things that aren't divine. Other things are, but certain things aren't. And that just leaves us in the duality trance state. 
So it is the truth that makes us fearless. So, okay, what can we get from fear? Fear can tell us, again, there's a Mack truck coming, get out of the road. Fear can tell us where our fears have been. Fear can tell us about how we have lived. Fear can expose to us the raw underbelly of our um, the role, the mask and costume we wear. So for me, uh, a mask and costume was a scapegoat. I lived uh, carrying other people's feelings and being responsible for their well-being and feeling like I was a bad guy. And uh, that that idea of who I was said, okay, be afraid that you're going to be a bad guy. And so try really hard to be really, really good. So in the process of trying to be really, really good, I needed to make sure that I was never afraid because really good people shouldn't be afraid. Really good people shouldn't be angry. So my fear exposed all that to me because I paid attention to it. And I began to see that, oh, I see, you don't have to live that way. You can live into your anger, into your sorrow, into everything. You can live beside all of these different emotions. Um, emotions roll through us and they leave behind a gift. And the gift is uh, one that we can use for furthering our understanding of who we are. The gift is not... Um, deciding that uh, that we're supposed to be a certain way or we're supposed to make sure that we don't ever um, uh, feel certain feelings or, uh, or um, li- you know, live a certain way. If, if Jesus could say, I do nothing of my own initiative, then what he's really saying is that from the duality trance state, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. But from my divine self, I know everything. I'm omnipotent. I know everything. And if I go to that place, then I already have the answers. So there's nothing to be afraid of. If I know who I am as divine self, and I know who you are as divine self, and I know that all of the events in my life have divine, the divine in them, and every emotion I have has the divine in me, in it, then what do I have to be afraid of? There's nothing to fear from that perspective. And so fear just naturally sort of dissolves. And if it doesn't dissolve, we at least know that we don't have to obey it. So that's the story of fear. And uh, when we live into that, we understand who we are a lot better. And that's the whole journey is understanding who we are. Okay, so... We want to talk some more about the whole process of under that that enlightenment process that that what the light is and that's what we're going to be talking about next week what the light is. So remember your job should you choose to accept it is to give birth to yourself. Stay tuned next week we'll be we'll be talking about that light that birthing of yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.